Hey guys, thank you for joining us. I'm Sarah DeForest. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry. Welcome to episode eight, where Sarah and I recap season one and talk about what we've learned. We invite you to pull up a chair and get super, super comfortable because everyone deserves a seat at The, the table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop all right guys season one officially almost complete including this last episode um victoria and i took a little bit of a break we took a month off right before the launch and at this moment we are about to launch episodes one and two so yay for us even though you're listening at the end um and we are still in the pandemic, which means we are still quarantined and trying to live our lives. Um, Victoria, what have you been up to? <laughs> oh, isn't that just the question? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've got the two little kids, a, a five-year-old and an, a two-year-old that turns three later this week. And it's uh, been quite quite a roller coaster quite an experience so now we are navigating virtual kindergarten which is an interesting challenge <laughs> but you know it's one of those things it's like hey everybody's kind of fighting the same battles and we're all in the same boat here and we're all just trying to figure it out so but you know there, it's been a really exciting summer too i i launched my my latest record which was huge Ooh, for me because yay. I built it completely by myself. So I did not yeah. hire any musicians, engineers. I engineered the whole thing, built it in Logic, played all the instruments, and uh, sang everything. And the only thing I hired out for was mixing. Well, for anyone who's not a musician, that is an insane feat. Like, that is so much time and energy and mastery of all the technology and instruments and everything so I can't even imagine it's it was one of those things like a lot of the things that I do where I felt like I had no business doing it so I would just try <laughs> <laughs> kind of like making a podcast I have no business doing this sure I'll do it so love it um yeah I'm really really proud of it so it's the record's called uncovered and it's out there on all the everywhere you get your music it's there so um yeah super excited about that it's fantastic it looks fantastic i saw the cover art when you posted it i was like oh my gosh it was giving me christina aguilera vibes from what was that the back to basics album funny story about that is that the cover art was taken during the complete stay-at-home lockdown in the spring and i had my husband come with his his phone camera and I rigged up a whole bunch of lamps, aimed at myself lying on the floor, did my own makeup, and he took a whole bunch of pictures and we found one that looked great and touched it up and there it is, album cover, lo and behold. So you can do all this stuff yourself if you need to. And Absolutely, we have, I feel like people have never been more DIY than quarantine. And we've learned to like, like for me, I've, I've been 
doing all my vocals for stuff at home, which I was never super techie. I could like hold my own, but mm-hmm. I would always do vocals there. And I, as soon as quarantine happened, I was like, well, I have no excuse now. I have to get a little setup. I have to learn how to do this. And it's been so much fun and opened so many doors. And I, I started working with a company out of LA that I love and all of their producers individually have been like, wow, these vocals are great. There's some of the best like vocal packs I've gotten. And I'm in my head like, I only started recording two months ago. That's, I'm not gonna tell anybody. That's so great. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, it's a great DIY experience. And you couldn't even tell that that photo shoot was like thrown together in quarantine. So props to you, girl. <laughs> I think about that. And I think about the perspectives of, that we're exploring here as as women in the entertainment industry. And um, I think that way too often I've hid behind other people's perceived expertise about things that I really should yeah. be able to figure out for myself. And Early on, it was demoing songs, producing the demos. I always deferred to my male song plugger who had experience producing demos. And I thought, oh, he knows how and I don't. And then a few years later, I was like, why am I still, why am I doing this? I know what I'm doing. I'm going in there. I'm looking over the shoulders yeah. and, I, and I can figure it out. And so I started taking the reins and doing it myself. And it makes me think about that the movie Dumbo and Dumbo the elephant believes that he can fly only if he's holding this feather. And as soon as he lets go of the feather, he thinks I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. But at some point he has to let go of the feather and he realizes he's been flying all along and he's just been holding this feather and it wasn't really anything. (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel about stuff like that sometimes. I completely agree. I mean, it's so crazy because this time has been so hard for the world together. And in our, our country, we've got our own extra set of things going on. But quarantine has given me such an opportunity to really fully explore all the things that I wanted to and, and mm. wasn't able to because I was so busy yeah. um, just trying to live life and support myself and do all those things that you do when you're a creative. And I realized one day in a session I've I've had the fortunate experience of working with different teams in New York and Miami and LA and Atlanta just over quarantine in the last four or five months and I have never been happier as a creative and never been so just really confident Mm -hmm. in my creative instincts and abilities and that has all come from me being like I've always thought this in my head and never felt like I had a place to say that tweak or ask that question because especially for me, I'm pretty much self-taught. With music, I know a little bit of theory. I can read music, but don't put it in front of me and ask me to to play it and it's not going to happen. And that was something early on in my career that people made me feel really bad about. Um, I had a couple people early on be like, well, you're never going to get anywhere if you're not able to to sight read and and um and do all these you know crazy scales and and know how to transpose this and it made me really self-conscious and it made me feel like I didn't have any place to speak my mind in a session which is so crazy because it was always usually my session and so for the first time I was saying oh and I think it should be produced like this and have that here and you know what I think it needs a little more space here and let's go for for more of a xyz 
XYZ kind of vibe. And um, I, I started catching things in mixes when they asked for opinions that the mm-hmm. producers didn't hear, which is so normal. Um, but I was so proud of such a seemingly small thing because for a long time I felt like, oh, well, that's what they specialize in. So I should just let them do it, you know? And now I feel like it's so fun to fully kind of come into yourself that way. Um, I love it. I completely agree. Um, Oh, but the other thing I just remembered that I'm super excited about is Mickey Guyton's record is coming out. (gasps) Hooray! On September 11th. And that is um, her EP called bridges and I've got I think three songs on it but I mean I've been writing with her for eight years and it's been such a long haul of trying to find what what worked for her and trying to find her voice and trying to express what we needed to say and figure out how we could do it in a way that the world would listen to and the record label would listen Mm to and uh, I'm just so excited for her to see her getting as much press as she is right now and being as outspoken and confident as she is right now she is not pulling any punches on social media and I think it's fantastic we need her voice in country music Mm -hmm. especially I mean how many black women in country music can you name? You know, yep. not many. A lot of people probably don't know any. I'm really glad that she's finally going to be able to put a record out. Yes, it's so exciting. And like you said, if people listen to that episode, you guys got just a little glimpse of the light that is Mickey Guyton. And she was hands down our most passionate and outspoken and just confident in her. I'm not going to take anybody's crap any longer this is who I am and that was so nice because our our listeners hear that as episode episode two but episode one with the guest yes and that was actually the last interview that we recorded of season one and so we got to see all these different women of different perspectives and different backgrounds and experiences and I feel like that is such a perfect way to get into this recap that we're doing because we've had quite a journey in starting this podcast um and it's pretty insane to think i i shot you a text um week one of quarantine (laughs) and um i didn't know if you were gonna respond and i was like she's a mom she's a writer she's doing all these things it's a global pandemic (laughs) probably not gonna hear anything and you text me back and we're like, yeah. And I just kind of like word vomited this <laughs> idea at you. <laughs> and to me too, it was like, it was like a business version of like, hey, can I have your autograph? Like, <laughs> That's so it was, funny. it was really like that. Cause I feel, especially now I've gotten to work with so many writers and industry people creatively outside of this that I um, had always admired and really looked up to and never thought I would be able to work with. And same on this podcast, talking to all these guests that I never thought I would ever come in contact with. And you, even though we'd known each other for years, you were still someone where I was like, oh my God, she's so successful and cool. And (laughs) and so so the fact that you said yes, I was like, I can't believe that happened, first of all. Um, And then we kind of started on this journey of like, what does the podcast need? And we started gathering guests and luckily I don't think anyone anybody said no Mm -hmm. um and we just started recording it and figuring it out and um and we wanted to kind of talk about what we took away little bits and pieces from each interview and what we learned about ourselves um so for me like the first thing that I wanted to 
talk about was even though we talked to all women this season, um, we touched on it a little bit here and there and even more behind the scenes. But we want to give a shout out to all the incredible male allies. I really feel like the majority of the people, writers, publishers, etc., that I've encountered that have really been allies and supporters of me have been men. And I think that's partially a um, there's more men in it than there are women thing. But um, even though we talk about these negative experiences, sometimes negative experiences that we have, um, it's important to note that there are so, so, so many fantastic allies that have been nothing but supportive and encouraging and loving so at least on my part I first Absolutely. wanted to to give a, a shout out to that yes um and how do you feel Vic because you've been in Nashville for for so long and one of the things I wanted to ask you about was something you touched on in our first episode which was how in the early 2000s, right after 9-11, everything kind of changed. And I noted that because I really wanted to delve into it. So how do you feel about that? How has that um, spread been for you? I mean, I have to say, it. it's... I'm surprised at myself looking back on my experience on the inside, writing songs through all those years of the, the 2000s, 2010s, um, how long it took me to realize that there was something systemic going on that was preventing women from being played on country radio. That mm -hmm. there was a decision being made from the outside that was preventing that women from breaking through. I thought I was yeah. doing something wrong. I thought the songs I was writing weren't good enough. I thought that I wasn't being strategic enough. I was writing at the time a ton with Rachel Proctor and we were writing with different female artists. We wrote with, you know, 50 or 60 female artists and wrote incredible songs with these women. And a lot of them were cut and a lot of them were singled and nothing would make it past the top 45. And mm -hmm. our so our co-write sessions went from being co-write sessions to suddenly being let's not write today, let's go to the coffee shop and sit down and try to strategize what we're gonna do differently to make this work because something's not working and what are we doing wrong? Yeah. And um, so, you know, it, I think about that now and of course hindsight's twenty twenty, and you see the different things that work together to create this experience. But from the inside, it's a really, it's a really lonely feeling when you're kind of fighting this battle and you don't have that perspective on what's going on. And that's what I love about this po podcast is sharing that perspective so that we that we all have vocabulary about this and we all have experiences with this that come from different exactly. angles. So, yeah. I find that the my younger co-writers, there's a lot less issue with... Um, not feeling seen or heard or understood. And I think mm -hmm. part of that's just like we're of more similar generations. But I also think everyone with social media, we have so much access to people that are different than us and cultures that are different than us. And we, with the Me Too movement and with all of these social movements going on, we've kind of grown up in this era where our eyes are opened um, a little bit more than in the past. And it's been really cool to to see, especially after starting this podcast and having those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things... Uh, I also wanted to touch on was how different all of our guests were and their perspectives of what they've experienced. Yeah. Some, like Mickey, were super 
willing and like ready with a list of things to talk about and ready mm -hmm. with experiences to share. And some were like, I don't think I have anything to chat with you guys mm -hmm. about, but okay, let's just have a conversation and somewhere in the middle. Um, what what kind of things did you pull away from that? I thought that was so fascinating and, and so interesting to hear different women's personalities and how they approach their careers and how they choose to perceive their experiences. Um, mm -hmm. Part of what makes people successful in this business is just tenacity and hanging in there when everybody else walks away. And I've known so many incredible, incredibly talented women who have walked away from the business during the time that I've been in it. And it breaks my heart every time I see it happen. But when you look at the list of the people that we talk to and you listen to their stories and their experiences, the one thing that they all have in common is that they're doing things on their own terms in terms of how they're expressing their art. They're using yeah. their voice, their perspective, and they've chosen not to be scared to do that. And they're not trying to conform to something else. They're not trying to color in the, the, the box that exists. They're willing to color outside it and, and find what mm -hmm. works for them. And But when you're doing that, it's exhausting to do it yeah. because you have to fight for it because you're going to come across a lot of people that don't believe in it or you're going to come across a lot of people that think it's too much of a risk and they're not willing to invest in it. Um, and so I look at you know, somebody like Mickey Guyton, who has gone on as long as she has and is finally having her break. I look at somebody like Emily Shackleton, who has been writing and she said in her episode, you know, I know what I do best and I don't do tailgates yeah. and, and she beer. almost walked away. She, she almost so walked away. Close. She was so close to being gone and just the universe lined up to, to make her stay and thank God for that because yeah. then she got her break right after, mm -hmm. right after that moment she would have walked away. And what a loss to country music if she had. Oh yeah, and so I think about that, and I think I think about my own career. I mean, it makes you really introspective too when you're doing this and you're seeing all these other women, and then you think about yourself, and it's like, how have you handled this yourself? And for me, I look back over my career, and I see so many ways that I have tried to give people what they wanted. I've been yeah. the kind of person that's been like, okay, I'm a people pleaser. I'm really good at what I do. I know that I'm capable of writing all these different kinds of songs. If you want that kind of song, then I'll, I'll write that kind of song. And I've, I've chased that and I've chased it and chased it. And that has not been where my success has come from. My mm -hmm. success has come from when I do me and I just do me. And, yeah. and sometimes I do me and it flies in the face of everything that I think people are gonna like. And it's just like, hell with it. I can't put up with it anymore. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. And that's what happened with what are you going to tell her when we wrote that with Mickey Guyton. That was one of those things. It was like it, it just was what we needed to say. But with that song, it was interesting because it was a combination of Mickey and, and me, two women who had been in the business in Nashville for a long time, mm -hmm. and then Karen Kozowski and another songwriter, Emily. And they are both about two years into the business in Nashville. And I think that was a combination that was necessary in order for that song to happen because it needed 
the frustrations and experiences of the sort of veterans, so to speak. And then it needed the bold-faced, almost naivete of people who have not been here long enough to have been beaten down by it and are willing to say, hey, we should go ugly with this song. Let's tell the cold, hard truth and let's just, let's, let's not settle for anything less than that. And we're like, what? You, radio? Probably won't play it, but hell, whatever. But it, it needed that combination. So it's so interesting to me seeing how people think about things differently. And, and like Karen was a great example. Karen Kozowski, she, when she dug into it, she found some things to talk about that she has experienced that have definitely been yeah. biases against women. But she chooses to see herself as an equal to everyone else in every way, including how she's treated. She chooses to see that. And she doesn't want to see the, she doesn't want, if she's experiencing discrimination, she doesn't want to know. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. That's a really interesting way of going about it because it's, it's definitely a way of protecting yourself from being jaded. It's definitely a way of, allowing yourself to be you and do you and not you know not try to conform to something else so maybe in a way she's protecting herself and she's been able to do that successfully now whether you could continue to do that over a 10 or 20 year career i don't Mm -hmm. know (laughs) i think i started off that way too and then i was kind of down the road it became impossible to ignore yeah i just had like such a wonderful experience of being asked to be in a really exclusive kind of under wraps writing camp for a big artist and she she made a point to say when she was giving us you know kind of pointers on the kinds of things that she wanted to to sing about she was like I honestly she was like this feels weird to say but I feel like I have a dick I feel like I'm just as masculine and take charge and gender fluid I guess you would kind of call is what she likened it to but it was really refreshing to hear she was like you know I'm feminine and masculine I can hold my own in those really macho spaces just as I can in the really feminine spaces and I think just whatever you do as long as you are true to who you are that is what connects with audiences the most and they won't know it but they will know it if something isn't honest and that doesn't mean like telling situation for situation as something that you'd experience and just singing about it that could be like some of my most successful songs have been completely non-realistic situations or completely over-exaggerated things that I've experienced but it's because the sentiment of it and how I felt about it was 100% true yeah um, so I, I completely agree on that. I feel like I've been saying agree a lot. That's that, <laughs> that is, um, also one of the things I wanted to talk about was, uh, what we learned about ourselves, which is oh, I learned yeah. I ramble like nobody's business <laughs> and have, uh, have a couple of different things that I just can't stop saying. Um, you have so, such a great compassionate presence though. I loved listening back to the episodes and just hearing your compassion in your voice and I think that that the people the guests who are on the show really really gravitate towards that so I love that about you Sarah you so don't sell yourself short (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I'm I'm glad that that came off um, good, and I'm also glad that you guys um, have such a wonderful person like Victoria to cut out the extra rambles, so you don't hear them. I, I stay up very late at night with my logic rig, and I edit, and I edit out all my you knows, and I edit out all Sarah's little ramblings, and yep. not all of them. You've still definitely heard lots of them, but it's hard when you're podcasting. You hear these things about yourself afterwards, and you don't realize yeah. that's how you talked, but. Um, exactly. Yeah, so I think for me, um, that's a really interesting question, like what you learned about yourself. And I know I touched on that a little bit earlier, but I really was inspired by this podcast to speak more about, like to value my own reactions to things and to speak about them more and to not mm-hmm. second guess the way that I'm feeling as a should, like I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should, you know, mm-hmm. like I hear the stories of what people have experienced, what these women have experienced in the industry. I know my own experiences. And now more than ever, first of all, it's more acceptable to talk about these things, which is great. But I'm a, I'm a very sort of people pleaser type of person. I don't like confrontation. So it's difficult to, it's difficult to express the way that I feel when I'm in this spin of trying to figure out if if it's valuable enough to say something about. <laughs> so, yeah. so this, it's a combination of doing this podcast and also just the era that we've been in over the last few months of people speaking out and speaking out against bias of all kinds and hallelujah that people are calling it out. I think it's fantastic. I think the only way you're yes. going to even know that it's there is if people point it out and um, probably the pendulum will swing a, a, a long way in that direction and yeah. it'll probably drive some people crazy that we're pointing out all these things but that's what you have to do in order to heal a society that's been going in, in the wrong direction it's like steering the titanic you got to turn way 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 over here and then eventually <laughs> it's going to come a little bit you know yeah you so, got to overcorrect before yeah. you find the medium and um so I've just been really inspired to, uh, so to speak, like pick more fights, like pick more battles and and express what I think about things and to point out bias when I see it, um, which is kind of, it's kind of, it's a good feeling after all these years yeah. of trying to toe the line. So. It's empowering. And, and like you said, this time is re- it was unknowingly perfect on our parts to really start having these discussions on the record because i i honestly don't think the world and and especially our country could be having these conversations if we didn't have time to completely stop with no excuse not to because we literally shut down the world yeah and weren't going to work, weren't seeing friends, weren't having the distractions of going out and being social, having the excuses of, oh, I got to do X, Y, Z and run the errands. And we really sat with ourselves and our thoughts and the voices of other people. And we almost couldn't have a conversation because there was no one else there. I feel like um, now more than ever, we have a tendency to listen with the intention of responding not with the intention of really hearing what someone says and so to have that time 
to and thank God for social media for giving us a platform to just all day scroll and click and watch and and dive deep because I don't think we could have had this level of awakening if we hadn't have all stood at a standstill. Yeah, and that's a great just, point. You the know, forced introspection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's a really. I mean, I'm a big believer in. The universe and having your own free will, but also there being kind of a, a bigger purpose and plan for everything. And I, I really feel like who or whatever you listeners believe in, um, if you do, I really think that um, the universe had a, a bigger plan for what is going on. And I, I hope that this positive change continues uh, because we need it. And I think we're all finally at a point of like, you can't ignore it. Yeah every single area of your life it's right there so yeah oh there's something i'd love to talk about so i was listening back to the episode where we interviewed emily shackleton and there we talked a lot on there about parenthood i know we talked a a bit with sarah evans about it too Mm -hmm. and i feel like i rambled on a lot in that emily episode because i just like feel such a connection with her and we're in so much the same place and and we, we talk a lot about these things but um Parenthood is so interesting because it adds another element to being a woman that sometimes can stack the odds even further against you. And um, I guess historically, evolutionarily, the woman has been the main nurturer Mm -hmm. of the baby. And somehow still, that's the default that we fall into. And I just thought it was so interesting listening back to that conversation about do men actually go and break down in front of their bosses about having a baby and ask permission to do it? Yeah. And and do they stay up at night and wonder whether it's gonna be okay or whether it's gonna kill their career? You know, we had all that kind of conversation. But in my experience too now, COVID has added another level to that because yeah. so now, we're homeschooling. The kids are at home. I'm doing this thing with my daughter. It's like a kindergarten pod. So we decided mm-hmm. to pod up with like just a, a couple other families. And so they could have a social learning experience together and almost almost experience kindergarten in some way. Yeah. Lord knows how long this will go on for. But <laughs> my conversations in this pod are so interesting because it's the moms that are in the pod with the child. It's the moms that are taking care of the kids and it's not always the case but it seems to be the default Mm -hmm. and so that means that as a woman in the music industry i'm now expected to parent my child all day through the school take care of my family in the ways that a a mother takes care of their family and then somehow work full time Mm -hmm. and those things are not really all going to fit into the day. And so the it's thing impossible. that's going to go out the window is work. And so in a lot of ways, the, the lockdown and COVID has emphasized the inequalities in society and just magnified them. But um, I, I think mm-hmm. I've posted on Facebook about this where like I feel like I'm being left behind as a mom in the workforce. I feel like I'm being left behind. And yeah. um, so I've really had to struggle with my own thoughts about that and my own like, wait, why, 
why do I feel like this is falling on me? I mean, I have a great husband and he participates, absolutely, but he's working too. And, you know, it's just the way that it works out. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that's been on my mind lately. And yeah, will there ever be a time when mothers and fathers are equally responsible for their children in most yeah. families? It doesn't seem like that's the case now. I mean, it is in a lot of families. I know there's a, you're probably thinking right now of, oh, that's, you know, I know people that are not yeah. that way or I'm not that way. I think that's so, so incredibly important to bring up. That's been on my mind even not having a husband or kids or anything like that because I've been reading so much about it and in doing this, I've, I feel like I've been so much more conscious um, and... I grew up in a very unique family situation where um, my parents owned a restaurant, but my dad worked from home. He did the business side. Uh, my mom is an incredible chef and pastry chef, and she owned her own restaurant in our hometown for 30 years. And they were always told they were never going to be able to have children. And so they were like, cool, we'll open a restaurant and that will be our baby. Because for anyone who's ever been in that industry, <laughs> it is all consuming. It is a child, uh, yes. <laughs> 24-7, yes. And you keep the weirdest hours. It's kind of like music. You have like opposite hours than the rest of the world. And um, we came along about 10 years in and they were like, amazing surprise, but what are we going to do? Um, because we have this whole thing set up. And, and my father was actually a stay-at-home dad for the first 10 years of my life. And so it was really an interesting thing because I feel like I, f I saw my parents equally. My mom always extra, extra, extra made sure to be home and take us to appointments. We would go hang out with her after school at the restaurant. I remember like being in kindergarten and having to hang out at the restaurant after hours so she would give us a bear cake and bags of colored frosting and it was like you you were coloring with crayons but it was cake and frosting and then they would you know put it in little cake cases as, on displays and mm -hmm. people would unknowingly think that it was like modern art cake and try and buy them it was <laughs> like it. literally this was an art project to keep our kids <laughs> from like driving us crazy um but i my dad was so present and he was um a stay-at-home dad in a time where where that was not a thing um really it was very rare and i i remember my mom we were having we were talking about stuff like that and she she mentioned she was like yeah it was kind of frustrating because i would do all these things and we'd be as equal as we possibly could and i would run and drop you off at school just as much a lot of times but whenever he would all the moms of the school in your grade would never fail to come to me and fawn over him and go, you have the greatest husband. He drops them off. He brushes their hair. <laughs> he And she's like, I have been doing this the same amount. Um, I've also been doing these things and running a restaurant just like he's running it from home. And I know it's it was frustrating because a lot of times dads get praised for doing the things that moms are expected to do. And I just think it's so funny that um, not funny, but ridiculous that we are still in 2020 
having this conversation that um, maybe everyone should have household chores and maybe everyone should be equally responsible for the children that you're equally responsible for creating. And nothing is ever going to be completely equal. But I think where we need to change our perspectives and our mindsets is the expectations that we put on and people. our own expectations yeah. right because i find mm-hmm. that i mean my husband i, I does a, a huge amount of work around the house like he would yeah. be one of those people that people would go rah 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 he's getting a great you know <laughs> dad and i i find that when i'm working if i'm working and i leave him with the kids or leave him to make the lunches or leave him to do the dishes that i'm feeling guilty yeah. about the fact that he's doing that. Like I'm doing something wrong. Like I'm not holding up what I'm supposed to be holding up. There's mm-hmm. a part of me that has that program going on inside my head. And we talk about that quite a bit actually. And we, it, we've come to the point where it's like, okay, if you actually ever feel like you're holding up too much, then say something to me and I will do the same yeah. thing to you. And so um, just don't think that I'm holding it against you or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's the expectation. You're exactly right. Yeah. It's never going to be equal because life happens and life is rarely where everyone's giving, you know, a hundred percent or 50, 50, however you choose to look at it. But it's just about what we expect of people. And also the fact that we feel the right to insert ourselves into someone else's business and judge them for what they do or don't do because you honestly never know what's happening behind the scenes um and what you know maybe you are super tired and sick and they're doing 70 percent and you know whatever it's such an interesting interesting thing i think we're getting better at it for sure well and and a lot of the differences are very subtle at this Mm -hmm. point so it might be that yeah, you each do the dishes or you each share the cooking or one does one, one does the other. You change the baby's diapers, you both do, whatever. But there's little things like, okay, who shops for the diapers and makes the grocery list for those diapers? And who who make, keeps track of the doctor appointments and takes the child to the doctor's appointment when you have yeah. to take off work to go do that? And who leaves work first to go do the pickup from daycare when that is necessary? And those little things is like quite often those things fall to the woman in the conversations I've been having with other moms anyway they're just little just the subtle things that just still signify carrying more of the weight and it's not really noticeable stuff unless you are feeling the weight of it that brings me um to one of my favorite words that I made a note of because I wanted to to chat about it um microaggressions which I feel like we maybe mentioned it once or twice and um I think Mickey did a great job of describing some of the situations where like you said it's little things that when you actually put them all together they're not so little and they're really kind of leave behinds or signs of the systematic issues that prevent people from reaching their full potential. And I know for me as a woman, like Mickey said, she was like, I I was at this party and found myself not flirting, but putting on this like extra batting smiley my eyelashes. Extra, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Batting my eyelashes and doing that stuff. And I can remember so many times where um, the way I, I describe microaggression, um, the way I describe it is just like there are little things that are hurtful and harmful and 
that create a bigger issue. But sometimes when you, you know, if someone asks you, well, what did they do or what was the issue? And you describe it out loud to a person who's never been in your shoes, it will seem like, oh, that's not a big deal. Or, oh, they probably didn't mean it that way. Or, and that's exactly how we fall into the trap of brushing issues off because those microaggressions are like little red flags that are like hey there's something here that maybe we need to change or address and it could be something small as like being told to smile more or being you know um all all that stuff and the south is a very interesting place at least for me having grown up in california and started in los angeles and the south has a very warm and lovely and you know just embracing feeling to it but there's also this bless your heart attitude for whoever has not lived in the south and bless your heart is like um it sounds nice but a lot of times it's like oh bless your heart and it's kind of like a dig and um, and you know I feel like there's so many of those I've experienced where I'm like wait was that meant to be offensive was that I feel like that wasn't okay. <laughs> that totally brings something to mind and the bless your heart. This, the, there's a auto shop in a little town. It's actually in Connecticut. And it reminds me of something that would be in the South. But it's near where my husband grew up. And every time we drive by it, I get so angry because it's decorated all with pink flower, cascading pink flowers. And it has the name of the auto shop and it says, woman friendly. On their sign. What? And I'm like, what the excuse me fuck yeah. is that supposed to mean? Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, we will kindly explain to you everything that you don't understand about cars, and we will patronizingly tell you what needs to be done with your car in a way that you can trust that we're going to be honest. Like, oh my god, it makes me so mad. As if our and brains like, are gonna like explode from I know. being I'm overwhelmed. Like, okay, so I'm the like, daughter of a mechanic, and I can change a wheel bearing and a timing belt so i'll go into and you know and and those are the kinds of things that in the south i'll go in well anywhere really i'll go into an auto shop and i've people try to tell me that things are wrong with my car that i can then argue with them or not and um (laughs) and uh it's just interesting like the perception of people are very taken aback by it when you have knowledge that's not typical to the traditional Mm -hmm. female role so um Anyhow, yeah. I just had to bring that up because I was like, oh, my God, that's totally a bless your heart right I there. I love that. Yeah. And so, and so I can totally see someone who's never been in a woman's shoes where, you know, that might see, seem like an isolated incident or one mm-hmm. little thing. But we experience a million of those every day. And it just kind of feels like a building weight until a certain point. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Right. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous and it's so so funny especially this this these past couple years i i can remember one experience where i i was in nashville um kind of interacting with other writers and it was right around the time when taylor swift kind of really started being vocal about um, social is- issues and politics and started using her voice and if you haven't seen the documentary that was made 
I think during Reputation, she touches on it where she was like, you know, everyone is telling me to not speak my mind and and not talk about these things because I could alienate my fan base and that's Mm. just not how we do it. And she, that's a really difficult thing to do to go against people on your team and your label and against what you've been brought up to believe about what your place is, especially in entertainment because we've been trained to never like offend or isolate people because your fan base is kind of like it's so integral to your success um and i i remember it was right around that time and an older mill writer who had been in town for a while made a comment like she just needs to keep her mouth shut and write songs and uh, to, to something like that and i i completely know that it wasn't meant in a hurtful way and it but to me as a woman there and as a creative too i think we creatives it's our job to talk about what's going on it's our job to make people feel and make people think and songs can change the world can change public perception can illuminate ideas and experiences that haven't been talked about and highlighted and need to and so i think it's ridiculous when people say actors or musicians or um, writers or whatever kind of art you make that we shouldn't be vocal about our opinions because Mm -hmm. if anything we're in the trenches of everyday people and what we experience and we are also the demographics that are are least valued for what we put into the world and what we create and um, oftentimes paid the least with the least benefits and the least opportunities i mean i think this pandemic has really highlighted that for the creative um community because we don't have backups that traditional careers do and i just think it's so funny that we're told um not to talk about these things whatever our opinions are i had a a a male fan on facebook tell me a a couple of weeks ago in response to a post that was fairly political i guess Mm -hmm. that you should shut up and sing didn't you learn anything from what happened to the Dixie Chicks? But it's, I mean, that's such a terrible moment in country music history, what happened and how they spoke out about their political beliefs and then were basically completely blackballed by country radio and Mm -hmm. nobody played them anymore. It's like the the beginning of cancel culture uh, in response to something political. And, um, and, and it is a scary thing for artists with a big platform, which is why mm-hmm. it's, I thought it was remarkable to see um, Sarah Evans come on our podcast and talk candidly about what yeah. she has experienced. And I mean, obviously, Mickey Guyton's very vocal about it. I think that's, you know, a great example to set to yeah. make that just an acceptable part of what being an artist is or being a creative is if you have a platform i think you have a responsibility to use it to try to change the world in whatever way you think would make it better it's not just about making pretty songs <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's more important than that it has the potential to be more important than that so yeah um, but but and- one an, another way that i was thinking about when you're talking about microaggressions the idea of body image and that's something that came up in quite a few of our conversations too on the busby episode we talked about it Mm -hmm. and on the sarah evans episode the requirement for women to look a certain way when they're in the public eye and that it is so much an acceptable part of the discourse that 
people can just talk about it. You know, your label can say, you need to lose weight. You need to have plastic surgery. You need to do this or that. And I just think that is so fascinating that that continues when you look at, look at some of the best-selling male artists in country radio. Look at Luke Combs. Look at Chris Stapleton. These are not like, young svelte (laughs) men in really good shape i mean they're not and yet their artistry is respected and it doesn't matter so they don't have to look like abercrombie models (laughs) yeah i don't know why it matters so much for women to look a certain way and but it's also like your favorite quote patriarchy has no gender women are equally at fault for picking at other women at talking Mm -hmm. about other women who are in the limelight about how they look and yeah. i think about when jessica simpson was crossing over into country music and i wrote a couple of her singles and during that time she was touring and she went out on stage and she had these high-waisted jeans on before high-waisted jeans came back yeah and she had i guess a little more weight than she usually did and oh my gosh it was like this media frenzy yeah. And everybody was talking about how she looked in these jeans. And who talks about what Luke Combs looks like in his jeans? Yeah. <laughs> like and if, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, I think she had just had a baby. Yeah. I think it was right after she yeah. had a baby. And I I think that's such a great point to, to bring across. Um, and, and it's also, I think, important to say that even though at least in my experience, and I think from hearing Liv and Riley and some of our other guests who are are just kind of hitting their their success where they're more in the public eye, they made a point to say that they'd experienced that. And we all have had less of those super outright, like, hey, get a boob job. Hey, yeah. oh, you've got that fat roll right there yeah. thing. And But we, I think, even for me, like, I can look back on experiences where I felt something was kind of funky, but then looking back, I'm like, that was so rude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think it's a little more undercover because people are more aware that that's not okay, but it still happens in a lot of spaces because a lot of people still have that mentality. And I know for me, around the time, I think my freshman or sophomore year, I had a meeting with someone in Nashville and I was living in LA, but traveling. And you know what, guys? Freshman 15, okay? I was <laughs> figuring it out. And they they were really nice. And I think they were very aware of the fact that it wasn't okay to be like, hey, you need to be fit. But like, they just kept on bringing up like, getting a gym membership oh you know artists they do have to look good and like I'm not saying to lose weight but like I've you know all that stuff and I I appreciate that this person was so cautious and I think they were really just trying their best to pass along information that in the past had really worked and been really true and I think is in a lot of spaces um now still but it's changing but I think I was just like this it shouldn't matter yeah if i had because i i feel fine and it shouldn't matter if if you love my voice and my writing and you know i love adele she she responded one time i think to a question someone was asking a question about her weight 
and um, she said something along the lines of, I make music for ears, not eyes. And I, I was like, that. yes, girl, yeah. I mean, <laughs> heck, look at, look at Lizzo. She's rocking it, man. She's owning it. She's a, she she's a proud big woman, and I think that's fantastic. And yeah, I wish and we she's, had more of that. She's out there twerking yeah. on stage, playing a flute in lingerie, and her, yeah. her album cover was her naked. Yeah, um, with sitting down with her rolls out, which I'm like, yeah. let me tell you, size double zero or size. 35 we've all got them like yep. that is so beautiful to see but i i think it's it's interesting i think we run the risk it being in an age where everything is so much more politically correct than it was in the past mm -hmm. that we run the risk of saying like oh we fixed this problem you know that yeah, doesn't exactly. happen anymore and i think you know those kinds of things because they're so deeply embedded they just adjust with the times and so yeah. we always have to be really aware and on it to find the new way that they present themselves yeah the pandemic has added an interesting layer to that for me or taken a layer off so to speak and i know we chatted about this before we started recording today but i have not put makeup on <laughs> in months and it feels great and yes. a couple months ago, I put makeup on for something and I looked in the mirror and I felt like I looked weird. Like, oh, it was jarring yeah. to see what it looked like. And I just thought, wow, you know, half your face is covered with a mask anyway when you go out somewhere. So it's like, oh, lipstick's gone out the window. You don't need that. Yep. It's like, why bother doing it? And so it's just kind of become, I started growing my gray hair out. Cause I'm, I'm just sick of trying to hide what's really me. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I think maybe people can handle it if I'm me. And at this point, it, the pandemic has sort of reset people's expectations and rules about that kind of thing. And so you can get on a Zoom call and not have makeup on and be in your pajamas if you want to. And yep. it's not going to be a problem. Like people get it, you know? So... Uh, I, I love that about this. I love that it's given us a little reminder of what it's like when you're not worried about what people are thinking of how you're looking. And it's yeah. more about what you're thinking and what you're putting out into the world from your mind and not from being out there to show it to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've had the same experience and I love it. My skin has been so much better and happier and mm -hmm. I have done so much more because I'm not worried about um, putting makeup on or look, especially in Nashville. Yeah. I live in a park closer to town. And even, um, you know, if I wanted to go for a walk or go get food or something, I was putting on at least a little bit of makeup because you never know who I was going to run into. And I didn't yeah, want to look tired right. and I didn't want to look, um, yep. you know, not at my best or whatever. And um, it just was exhausting. And I also yeah. found myself not going when out when I wanted to because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to put makeup on. And it's so expensive. And I'm not even going to mm -hmm. see anybody. But like. Oh, then I'm gonna have to take it off. I'm gonna wash my face an extra two <laughs> times. Like, why are and we then, doing this again? You know, like when I had my record deal and I was out on radio tour, it would drive me crazy that I would have to set my alarm for hours before my 5 a.m. radio call in the morning to do my hair and my makeup. And then I'd get there looking all glam, 
do radio, go do promotional stuff all day, play a show at night, stay and sign the very last autograph, and then sleep for two hours and set my alarm again for, you know, 2.30 or 3 in the morning to start it over again. Well, my male counterparts would roll out of bed with a baseball cap on and go straight to the radio station. And it really drove me crazy that that was the case. And and it was a very similar thing when I did... um, this past winter, I did an episode of Songland, which was a wonderful mm-hmm. experience. But there again, we got there and we were told, okay, we're not going to be able to provide hair and makeup for the women. And there was only one woman on my episode. That was me. Mm-hmm. So that meant that I hired a hair and makeup person with my own money that was very expensive to come and you know, knock on my hotel room door at four o'clock in the morning and start working on me for a couple of hours before we got to where we were supposed to be to film. And I'd be coming out to the van to get in the van with all the guys that were on my episode for our call to go to the set. And they were looking at me going, oh, I've got my coffee. I'm so tired. And they were like, oh, what time did you get up? <laughs> oh, three hours ago. I got it. What a double standard. Like, this is yeah. crazy. Why are we doing this? Why are And we doing all this? that time spent, because those days are long and they you have to cake on the makeup show makeup is not everyday makeup so you're also breaking out like crazy and it takes so much poor time and you're in heels which are basically Mm -hmm. knives on your feet not comfortable Mm -hmm. i don't care what anybody says don't get me started on heels (laughs) i swore those off a while ago there's something about being in your 40s that makes you feel like you can just do that and i'm kind of loving it i'm like you know what hell with that i'm not wearing those anymore i'm the last music event i went to that i had to dress up i wore high top converse with sequins on them and i was like this is this is my show shoes i'm not gonna teeter around in heels for six hours thank you very much for real honestly for for me i've never been like the girliest of girly girls but i like i like to dress up i have never been more than a kitten like kitten heel like block heel person and i always use the excuse i've had a couple leg and ankle surgeries so i in and of of itself i'm just kind of like not great on stilts but I don't know what I would do without that excuse like yeah. I just love it if anyone questions it, I'm just like yeah I try not to have another surgery and it's like it's <laughs> the best it's the best That's excuse the best ever <laughs> I remember looking at my grandmother's feet when I was a kid and wondering why her toes were all crunched up like her knuckles were all projecting upwards in her toes and they were all crunched and she had what what's called hammer toes. And I asked my mom about it. And she said, that's what happens when you wear high heels with points for all day long. And that's what my grandma did for most of her life. And she developed a foot deformity from it. And oh my goodness. Why are we doing ah. this? Ladies, 2020, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, you know, if you don't want to wear do heels, it. don't do it. Wear some sparkly I know, here we are going today. down this rabbit hole. I could talk about this <laughs> stuff forever, but I know we've been talking for a long time. We have. Well, let's wrap it up. So the two things that I did want to touch on briefly, I think society in general has such an obsession with youth. And I remember um, I had a college professor. She, um, she was speaking on this. And she used her makeup palette and the the names that the eyeshadows and stuff were given as um, as an example. And it's the one color was called um, orgasm. And then right next to it was like baby pink. 
And then, you know, there's all these weird, like, sex sex and youth tied together, together, which, guys, we all know that shouldn't shouldn't be tied together. Um, And also, I had a conversation the other day with a publisher who does artist development as well and and helps get artists signed to labels. She was like, they're asking me for 12-year-olds, for for 12-year-old talent that they can develop and sign. The it's so this industry is so intense and so it makes you grow up so fast that I I just it I don't know how to feel about that I know part of our obsession with youth and female youth in particular is when you're young you don't realize you have a voice you don't know how to use it you Mm -hmm. don't have experience doing that and so you're a lot easier to control and yeah you're moldable that's the same reason that a record label would want to work with you at that age you're moldable you'll do what people say exactly i think that's that's a really great place to leave it off and um i just want to cap it off by saying that every single woman we've talked to so far has even in describing the crazy situations they've been in and the hard times they've had has been incredibly optimistic with Mm -hmm. what they've been through and how it has helped them and where they're going. And they've all found confidence and self-esteem within that, um, which I am just so in love with Mm -hmm. because this industry is really hard and um, to go through things like that and still um, have optimism is amazing. Um, so without further ado, let's get into rapid fire and see okay. how we're feeling at the end of this season. Victoria, who is your favorite creator at the moment? I've been listening to a lot of tiny podcasts by Derek Sivers. So he created CD Baby, which was the website where people could sell their CDs online as independent artists back before CDs kind of went away. And he is just like a really interesting thinker and questions everything. And so he released these tiny podcasts that are like a minute to three minutes long, and it'll just be pondering a question. So um, I love listening to that, especially, you know, as a mom, I don't have time to listen to an hour long podcast. It's hard enough for me to edit these mm-hmm. ones and listen to them. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been enjoying that. Okay. So favorite trend. I think my favorite trend is people speaking out about mm-hmm. things that are hard to speak out about. Yeah. Beautiful. Trends you wish you would stop or what you wish. Oh, would okay. Stop. Trends I wish would stop. <laughs> So the Facebook dissemination of false information is really upsetting. And especially in a time when it's life or death right now with COVID-19, I just think that people spreading information that is not based in science Mm -hmm. is, uh, is a really disturbing thing. And it goes hand in hand with the disturbing trend of people thinking that experts are not worth listening to. Um, Because if I'm going to listen to somebody about something, I would rather listen to somebody who has spent their life studying it to try and understand it. I think that's a better place to get my information from. So um, there's a need for experts. (laughs) Agreed. Uh, Wholeheartedly. (laughs) The last time you failed. Completely losing my temper with my children because I was overwhelmed and frustrated and I screamed at mm. them. And I don't like screaming at my children, but um, yeah, you know, the, this situation pushes your buttons more so than usual. So, yeah, 
yeah yeah everyone's everyone's just a little more on edge and yeah and it, it happens but yeah yeah i feel that completely not the kids part but mm-hmm. the losing 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 your, it your temper a little a little sometimes mm-hmm. um advice uh for the younger you i would go back in time to when i was about age 27 and i would tell myself to let my gray hairs grow in because <laughs> i started getting them then and ever since then i've been dyeing my hair and highlighting my hair and root touching up my hair and coloring in the roots when the with a pen when i couldn't get to the to the salon to do it and i've spent mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars and hours and days of my life that add up to probably months of sitting in chairs doing that and stressing over if i could see the gray and yeah. now i'm just like you know why why did I do that it's just me it's natural and it's totally cool and if we all just let it show when it comes in it doesn't mean that you're an old woman yeah (laughs) I was 27 you get it when you're 27 sometimes (laughs) exactly so that's what I would tell myself wear it proudly wear it all proudly yeah okay so who's your favorite creator at the moment I have two um, I've really been deep diving into the catalog of Kim Petras. Um, she's a really awesome uh, pop artist um, from, I think she's originally German. Don't quote me on that. Um, she's incredible. She's also trans, which I didn't know until I started deep diving and looking into her a lot more. So incredibly steadfast in who she is. Um, she started DIYing her own songs and videos, and she has one of like most insane voices and minds for poppy hooks and melodies and such cool songs. Um, I love her. And also, podcast wise, my sister just turned me on to um, this podcast, Recovering from Reality by. Alexis Nyers, she has a married name now, but she was on a um, e-reality show when she was younger um, with her her family, her sisters and her mom, and she was one of those girls, um, part of the um, like the thief gang in Hollywood of the kids who were um, robbing rich people's houses, um, and she went to jail for a while, and she's very she's so interesting because. If you'd seen that, she was so, I, I think, like classically, stereotypically um, valley girl raised in Hollywood, like what people kind of make fun of mm. um, and partied and, and did drugs. And so and now she's married and she and her husband, if I remember correctly, run like a recovery facility. And um, she talks with all different kinds of people and is really open about her past with drug addiction and all that stuff and even if you've never experienced that because i'm a person who's like no experience with hard drugs whatsoever or even with really being like super drunk like it's so interesting just to hear people really accept themselves and talk about their pasts and and talk with other people um it's really interesting and it's really really cool cool okay um favorite trend i love the speaking up for what you believe in and for the underdog and for change that needs to happen. Um, Specifically for me, like the Black Lives Matter movement and um, LGBTQIA rights, specifically uh, trans rights right now, because they're being so crazily just demolished. Mm. 
What trend do you wish would stop? Um, I think I'm on board with you. The same of just uh, information being spread that's uh, not accurate and factual. Um, And also with whatever um, party or views that you agree with, um, I think it's really important to have uh, facts and really know all sides and look into the side you don't agree with um, and also have conversations with people who who don't agree with you and not I want to turn you to my side conversations but I want to understand where you're coming from conversations yeah. yeah what about the last time you failed the big hard question I've been home for couple of months uh, and back home which I love being with my family but my grandma moved into my room and I don't have a room anymore oh um and I, I've got sister and parents and grandma and a cute little dog and I think I've definitely had moments where going from living alone to a house full of people oh gosh, with no imagine. uh room um it's stressful sometimes yes. so yeah <laughs> Advice for the younger you, what would you tell yourself? I think this goes uh, along the lines of the the talk about uh, body image we had earlier and throughout the season. I think just like telling my younger self, please stop changing your jeans five times to find the one that shows your belly rolls the least. And, you know, please stop trying to wear sweatshirts all the time just because you feel like you gained a couple pounds nobody cares um no one's looking at you as closely as you are looking at you and to just spend all that time and energy that you put towards those thoughts and judgments into the things that you love and um hanging out with friends and making friends um and working on yourself because the the meat bag that you're in now will only be temporary and will totally change um, which that's such a weird way to describe (laughs) (laughs) but it's true um you know it it will i am so happy we got to catch up yeah this was great i'm so excited to go into season two we have some really incredible guests um some artists we've got a lawyer um just all these different cool people we're trying to diversify as much as possible now that we've got season one under our belt Mm -hmm. um and we're so excited to continue the journey with we you can't guys. wait thanks for listening everyone and and as always please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media at the table women pretty much anywhere you look we're at the table like at sign the table women mm-hmm. and um let us know if there are specific questions that you would like us to ask if there's specific topics you want us to investigate if there are specific guests you would love us to talk to all of that stuff we'd love to hear from you and just kind of yeah. Use that to help us steer where we go with this. Uh, Maybe you want us to do like a a live Q&A or we want to do an episode where we just answer fan questions. Maybe we can even call up a couple people. I I love um, Anna Ferris's podcast. They do that. Thetablewomen at gmail.com. That's where you can email us. So feel free. Shoot us an email. We'll do as much as we possibly can to... um, answer them and incorporate that and we love you guys and we will see you in season two see you soon to stay up to date on all things the table on social media join us on instagram facebook or twitter at the handle at sign the table women 
Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeFores, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will Macbeth, and produced by Will Macbeth. And as always, we'll include links to any artists or songs referenced in the episode in our episode notes. We'll see you next time on The The Table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you.